This is the Late Round Podcast with your host, JJ Zacharisa. What's up, everyone? It's JJ Zacharyson, the editor-in-chief at FanDuel and at NumberFire.com, and this is episode 447 of the Late Round Podcast, one of the many shows that are part of the FanDuel Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. There's a big game on Thursday night this week between the Cardinals and the Seahawks, and FanDuel Sportsbook is giving users an opportunity to win big. Right now, you have a chance to bet $5 on either the Cardinals or the Seahawks at plus 2,500 odds, and if you win, you'll make $125. You heard that correctly. Bet $5, win $125. The offer is for this Thursday's game only, so download the FanDuel Sportsbook mobile app, sign up, and make your first deposit to see your enhanced odds today. Must be 21 years or older in present New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Colorado, West Virginia, Tennessee, or Indiana. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. Deposit required. Max bonus $125. See full terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Tennessee, call Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. Now let's get to these transactions. By Aaron Jones. The tilt was very real at the beginning of the Jags-Packers game on Sunday. Jamal Williams was being fed in the first half. He actually out-attempted Aaron Jones 7-5 in the first half of that game. But then in the end, things turned around. Aaron Jones had 13 rush attempts. Jamal Williams had 8. Aaron Jones had 6 targets. Jamal Williams had 4. That split might seem way too close. Aaron Jones managers see that split and they don't like it. And that creates an opportunity to potentially buy. And that's especially true because Aaron Jones is coming off two kind of below average games. But here's the thing. Jones had a 63.1% snap rate on Sunday. That's actually pretty good for him. It was the second highest mark of the season. And he had a running back rush share in the end of 59.1%. That's right in line with what we've seen from Aaron Jones this season. So in other words, even though there might be this perception of there being a bigger split in that backfield, there really wasn't when it was all said and done. The start of the game was just kind of weird. But there's also another reason to buy Jones. Green Bay's fantasy playoff schedule. In weeks 14 through 16, the Packers face the Lions, Panthers, and Titans. Each of those teams rank in the bottom seven in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. That's one of the best schedules that you can find at the running back position. It rivals Derrick Henry. So I would be buying Aaron Jones right now, and I think that you can make the case that you should buy Jamal Williams too. Sell James Robinson. All right, so if you guys listen to this show every single week, then you remember that two weeks ago I talked about selling James Robinson. But I also noted in that transaction that he had two good matchups upcoming. And he produced in those matchups. He had over 200 rushing yards. He only had three receiving yards, but he was really good on the ground, which is what he's been every single week this season. He's now scored double-digit PPR points in every single game this year. I'm not trying to sit here and say that James Robinson is bad. You guys know that I'm a James Robinson truther. He's good. I just think that right now is officially the time to sell. Before it was a little bit iffy because there were good matchups. Now I'm not so sure. Because moving forward, Robinson's going to get Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Minnesota, Tennessee, Baltimore, and Chicago. And the Titans, Ravens, and Bears matchups are coming in the fantasy playoffs. Let me put this into perspective. From weeks 1 through 10... Jacksonville's opponent's average rank in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs was 10.3. 
In other words, their average opponent ranks as the 10th most advantageous matchup for running backs in fantasy football. So far this season, Robinson's faced each of the five easiest opponents within that statistic. That means that half of his games this year have been cakewalks. More than half. From weeks 11 through 16, that ranking goes from about 10 to 21 and a half. There's only one top 10 matchup remaining for James Robinson from here on out. It's against the Titans. And in the fantasy playoffs, he gets the Ravens and the Bears. Now, there's a chance that your league mates don't realize how good James Robinson has been. If that's the case, you can't sell him. Because once again, I'm not sitting here saying that Robinson is going to be useless from here on out. I'm not saying that you absolutely need to sell this guy. I have him on a ton of rosters this year. I'm not giving him up for nothing. But I think given this upcoming schedule, there's a lot of reasons to worry. I think that everyone should just be prepared for what's to come. Or what could come. Add Michael Pittman. So we finally got the Michael Pittman Jr. breakout game. In last week's Thursday night game, he hauled in seven of his eight targets. He had 101 receiving yards. He ended the game with a 22.2% target share. And in his previous game, it was 17.5%. Those are back-to-back games with pretty good target share marks. So I think because of that, he's worth an ad. And it doesn't hurt that Indianapolis wide receivers have a pretty favorable schedule through the end of the fantasy season. They only have one matchup, which comes this week, against a team that ranks unfavorably in adjusted points allowed. Hold Travis Fulgham. So I sent a tweet out on Sunday night showing Travis Fulgham's target shares by week. He had a 13.9% target share this past week for Philadelphia, but he was averaging a target share above 29% in his previous four outings. And people were really, really upset with how he performed this past week. They were mad at that tweet. Not at me, but just at the numbers. Because the way they see it, and I understand it, but the way that they see it is that Jalen Rager's back and healthy, Dallas Goddard's back and healthy, now all of a sudden Travis Fulgham doesn't matter. But guys, mediocre and average games happen all the time for wide receivers. And remember, Goddard and Rager played back in week 8 before the Eagles bye. And in that game, Fulgham was the leader in targets in that Eagles offense. And as I've noted on this show over the last like month plus, the Eagles have a really favorable schedule moving forward. Of course, we need Carson Wentz to play better, but the schedule is there. It's one of the five best when looking at adjusted points allowed. So don't give up on Travis Fulgham just yet. Add Jalen Rager. Now to this point, you still want to add Jalen Rager. I cannot believe that Rager is rostered in only 26% of Yahoo leagues right now. He saw a 23% target share in his game back back in week eight. And then this past week, he had 19% of Philadelphia's targets. And like I just talked about with Fulgham, the Eagles' schedule moving forward is pretty favorable. I know that I must sound like a broken record because I've talked about Jalen Rager for weeks on this show, but you should be adding him. At the very least, he should be sitting on your bench. Because right now, I would probably consider him the number one target in this Eagles' passing attack. By Jarvis Landry. So OBJ has now been sidelined for two games, and in those two games, Jarvis Landry has target shares of 44% and 26.3%. That's a target share per game average of 35%. With Odell Beckham, his target share per game was 19.5%. The reason he hasn't produced is because the entire Browns offense hasn't produced. And there's reason for that too. It's the weather. A couple of weeks back, the Raiders and the Browns combined to score 22 points in a windy game in Cleveland. This past week, the Texans and the Browns combined for 17. 
in a really windy game in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield's average is 127 yards per game during this time frame. We can't expect Jarvis Landry, despite his target share, to come through with these huge fantasy performances when the passing attack isn't doing a whole lot. But there's a reason that the passing attack isn't doing a whole lot. So as long as the weather cooperates, I really like Landry's outlook from here on out. The Browns not only have a decent rest-of-season schedule for wide receivers, but in the fantasy playoffs, in weeks 15 and 16, they get the New York teams. Those are top-half matchups and adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Sell Kareem Hunt. All right, so Nick Chubb returned on Sunday. We all know that because he failed to score a touchdown at the end of that game. He went out of bounds at the one, and I'm not tilting. I promise I'm not tilting. But in Sunday's game, Kareem Hunt handled half of the team's running back rushes. And he also saw over 21% of the team's targets. That allowed him to post a top 15 performance at the running back position. But look, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit skeptical that that's sustainable. So just as a refresher, Chubb played all of weeks one through three, and then he got injured in week four. So we now have four total games of Nick Chubb this season with Kareem Hunt, because we're going to throw out that week four game. In those four games... Hunt's average of 45.3% running back rush share and a 15.3% target share. Now, outside of those games, and again, we're going to ignore the game where Nick Chubb was hurt, those numbers are 77% and 12%. So basically, his running back rush share is significantly higher without Nick Chubb. That's not a surprise because Nick Chubb plays on early downs. We know he's arguably the best rusher in the NFL. And then when you look at the target share difference, there's about a 3% difference per game. Given the small sample sizes that we're working with, that's not all that significant. I'm not really putting a lot into that. But what is kind of surprising is that Hunt's averaging about three more PPR points per game with Nick Chubb than without Nick Chubb this year. So I think the question is, does efficiency have something to do with this? Is Kareem Hunt performing so well with Nick Chubb because he's been more efficient? And the answer to that is yes, technically he has been more efficient. He's averaging 5.3 yards per carry with Nick Chubb this season and 3.9 without Chubb. But again, guys, the sample sizes are pretty small. I don't think that we can just sit back and say Kareem Hunt is much more efficient with Chubb than without Chubb. Therefore, he's going to be able to sustain this production. I don't really buy into that. Again, I think the sample size is too small. And not only that, but fantasy football is about volume. And even though Hunt did have pretty strong market share numbers in week 10, It was also Chubb's first game back from that MCL injury. And I do think that Kareem Hunt benefited from bad weather. I think his target share was boosted a little bit because the Browns didn't want to throw the ball down the field. Understandably so. And even if you don't want to attribute Hunt's 21% target share to anything but variance, that's fine. That still tells you that it's unsustainable because it was his highest share of the season. So to put this all another way, the fear moving forward is that Nick Chubb is going to dig into Kareem Hunt's early down roll or his rushes. And then on top of that, I don't think that Hunt's going to be able to maintain a 20% target share. I don't think anyone should assume that. And that's enough for me to entertain some offers. Because I do think there are people out there that are buying this narrative that Kareem Hunt is better with Nick Chubb than without him. Add Josh Reynolds. So I'm going to blow your mind with this transaction. Unless you follow me on Twitter and you already saw my Josh Reynolds tweets. But hopefully I blow your mind a little bit here. So, over the last four games, Josh Reynolds' target share per game average is 20.7%. That's pretty good. That's also up from 10.7% across his first five games. He's now hit double-digit PPR points in three of his last four, 
his single game high across his first five was eight PPR points. So Josh Reynolds has been a lot more fantasy relevant over the last four or five weeks. So the question is, why is this happening? And honestly, the answer to that is he's just playing more. From weeks one through five, according to Pro Football Focus, Reynolds ran 109 routes. That was 34 fewer routes than teammate Cooper Cup and 43 fewer than Robert Woods. Now get this, since then, so since week five, Reynolds has just three fewer routes run than Cooper Cup, and he's run the exact same number as Robert Woods. But here's the part that's going to blow your mind. It at least blew my mind when I fully, fully realized it. Josh Reynolds has seen more targets than Robert Woods straight up since week four ended. And then get this, he's been targeted down the field on 15 plus air yard throws 19 times this year. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods have been targeted down the field 11 times each. So Josh Reynolds is playing more. He's seeing downfield targets. And yet we're sitting here and Robert Woods is rostered in 97% of Yahoo leagues and Josh Reynolds is rostered in 5% of them. Go out and get Josh Reynolds this week. Buy Marquise Brown. Okay, so look, I want to be completely honest with you guys. I was wrong about Hollywood Brown this year. Earlier this year, I even had him as a buy candidate, and I was wrong about that too. He has been completely underwhelming in 2020. But right now, he's at a low. You can trade bench players to get Hollywood Brown. And I think for that reason, he's worth trading for. He's still seen a 23.6% target share, which is necessary in a run-heavy offense. But if you want to look strictly at just targets, he's 34th in the league in that category at wide receiver. I mean, that's nothing special, I get it, but it's not bad for a player who ranks in the top 15 in deep ball targets and in air yards. Honestly, and I talked about this when it comes to Lamar Jackson a couple of weeks ago on this show, this is really about conversion rate. Marquise Brown has not scored a touchdown on any of his deep balls this year, and his 35% catch rate on those deep balls ranks in the 21st percentile among players with 10 or more deep ball targets. Last season, Brown was converting 45% of his deep ball targets. He actually had 20 last year, and he has 20 right now. And he turned those 20 into four touchdowns. That's the difference. He was making big plays last year. He's not making big plays this year. I don't think that we should assume that things just turn around right away. And that Lamar Jackson is all of a sudden going to reliably hit Marquise Brown down the field. But we do have a few weeks leading up to the fantasy football playoffs to see if that does happen where we can sort of wait things out, where we can trade for Marquise Brown, throw him on our bench, and cross our fingers. Because we've seen it before. We've seen that magic before. And then if the numbers start to get a little bit better, we'll have more confidence playing him as a big play option in the fantasy football playoffs. Because in the playoffs, the Ravens get the Browns, Jags, and Giants. By the Baltimore Ravens defense. So speaking of that schedule... The Browns' defense is in a really, really good spot in the fantasy playoffs, like I talked about in the mailbag episode last week. I don't typically trade for defenses in fantasy football. I don't even know if I've ever actually traded for a defense. But there are exceptions to every rule. With the Ravens getting the Browns, Jags, and Giants from weeks 14 through 16, they probably have the best schedule for any defense in fantasy football. Because those teams rank as the 14th best, the 5th best, and the 9th best matchups and adjusted fantasy points allowed. So trading for Baltimore right now, you get a plug-and-play defense in the playoffs. You just don't have to worry about that position, and that's valuable. Add Logan Thomas. I think the best tight end on your waiver wire right now is probably Logan Thomas. 
He's at least on a lot of waiver wires. Now, he hasn't seen any sort of uptick in target here since Alex Smith took over that offense, but he's now finished with a top 10 tight end performance in three of his last four games. He's got a 16.1% target share on the season. And like I said in my 15 transactions column, he's a breathing human being. That's enough to make him a worthwhile play at the tight end position. Sell Jerry Judy. Now look guys, nothing's analytically wrong with Jerry Judy. I talked about him on this podcast just a few weeks ago because he was really underperforming based on his peripherals. And since then, he's been a little bit more consistent. He's averaged about 16 PPR points per game over his last three. He had that really big game against Atlanta. He hasn't been horrible. And even though he's left a little meat on the bone, and I think a lot of that has to do with Drew Locke, if I'm being honest, I'm a little bit concerned about the Broncos' rest of season schedule. Because in total, at the wide receiver position, it's the seventh toughest in terms of adjusted fantasy points allowed. And they'll face the Panthers, Bills, and Chargers in the fantasy playoffs. Those are all bottom 10 matchups for fantasy wideouts. I like Jerry Judy long-term. He was my second favorite wide receiver in this year's draft class, but I don't like him all that much from here on out during his rookie season. Add Savan Ahmed. I talked about Savan Ahmed on last week's show, and then he stepped in and had a much bigger workload than even I expected in week 10. He handled 84% of Miami's running back rushes. Not only was that obviously the highest on the team this past week, but it was the highest that any Miami running back had throughout this 2020 season. Better than any game that Miles Gaskin has had in terms of running back rush share. I know that some of those running backs are eventually going to be back, but I think that you should still be adding Savan Ahmed this week. And that's especially true because Jordan Howard, he was released on Monday. Add Jameis Winston. So Drew Brees now has multiple rib fractures, a collapsed lung. Things aren't looking good for him. Hopefully he gets better quick. But that means that it's now probably Jameis Winston's offense in New Orleans. I say probably because they're still playing the Taysom Hill game there. And I'll be honest, Winston didn't look all that great when he stepped in the second half against the 49ers. And number five's expected points model says the exact same thing. His numbers don't look great. But I think we can be a little bit forgiving, given the fact that he hasn't played meaningful football in a pretty long time. And the good news is, he gets Atlanta in week 11. At the very least, he's a streamer. The Falcons rank as the absolute best matchup in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Quarterbacks against the Falcons are averaging 7.2 more points against them versus their season-long averages. So if Jameis Winston, let's say, was putting up 10 points per game against Atlanta, we would expect him to put up 17. That matchup alone makes him a viable streamer. Add the Cleveland Browns defense. So the Browns get the Eagles this week. They're three-point favorites according to FanDuel Sportsbook. I think they're a viable streaming option because Philadelphia has been the sixth best matchup for opposing defenses this season in terms of adjusted fantasy points allowed. No team that the Eagles have faced has ranked outside the top 14 in weekly scoring. And the Eagles have now allowed the highest sack rate in football this year. And the Browns rank in the top half of the league in sacks. So I think they're a good option. But on top of that, like I talked about on the mailbag episode on Friday, They have great matchups in weeks 15 and 16. They get the New York teams. I guess I talked about that with Jarvis Landry earlier too. So you might actually want to add Cleveland this week, play them against Philadelphia, and hold them throughout the rest of the season. The 16 transaction this week that you can't get in the 15 transactions column over on numberfire.com is to add Devontae Booker. I'm kind of surprised by this transaction, but hear me out. Booker's now seen 35% and 43% of the team's running back rushes over the last two weeks, that team being the Raiders. 
He's rushed for 68 and 81 yards, and he scored three times on the ground. Now, he is seeing a lot of work in the second half, but I think this is one of those scenarios where Booker could work out in deeper formats as sort of a flex play, but he's also got that upside as a handcuff as well. Not really a high-end handcuff, but he's definitely a handcuff to Josh Jacobs. And Jalen Richard is also hurt. He sustained a chest injury in Week 10. The x-rays did come back negative, but you never know. So I think in deeper formats, Booker does make some sense to add. And Vegas has a relatively favorable schedule moving forward as well. That's going to do it for today's show, though. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you've yet subscribed to the Late Round Podcast, make sure you are by searching for it pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at LateRoundQB. Thanks, everyone. I'll talk to you tomorrow with the Weekly 10 Trend Show.